Hello and welcome to The Well Podcast. Find out more at facebook.com forward slash The Well Event. We um, are going to go live now to Pastor Harrison across at Cottonwood Church in LA. Um, Pastor Harrison is a friend of Whitewell, a friend of The Well. His father, um, Pastor Bayless Conley, um, developed a, a, a lovely friendship with our founding pastor, Pastor McConnell. That was the initial link between our churches, between Pastor Bayless and the bishop. Um, they were great friends. And, um, and that link, I guess, has developed then. And uh, Pastor Harrison, um, who took on that work several years ago from his pastor, um, is now in turn a friend of Whitewell, and we're so glad that he is, and we're so glad that he's joined us. Um, right, and there he is on the screen. Pastor Harrison, can you hear us? Oh, absolutely. You forgot to mention, I'm not just a friend of Whitewell, I'm a friend of yours, Pastor Steve. <laughs> Amen. So, contrary to popular opinion, guys, I do have a friend. And here, <laughs> and here he is, um, Pastor Harrison. Uh, give, give Pastor Harrison a big welcome. There he goes. Uh, so, yeah. Harrison, thanks for being my friend, and thanks for joining <laughs> us. So, Pastor Harrison, I am going to launch straight in with some deep and meaningful questions. I'm going to do a little bit of an interview, and then we're going to hand things over to you. Uh, whatever is on your heart, we want to hear it. So, um, let, me, let me dive straight in, Pastor Harrison. We, we, tried, to, we tried to do this, um, I think, almost a couple of years ago, um, but COVID affected things and um, the, the different lockdown restrictions. Finally, we're, we're here. Um, I want to ask you, Pastor Harrison, COVID's been a difficult um, season to navigate for many. How has it been for you? How has it been for Cottonwood Church? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been difficult for everybody, right? Um, it's, it's never an easy thing to... Uh, in a sense, feel like you're losing your freedom or losing things that seem normal uh, and having to make adjustments on the fly for the, the good of the community and what have you. And so, um, you know, we dealt with a lot of the same stuff I'm sure you guys have dealt with. Um, but at the same point, I feel like God really used that season to, um, to really just minister to me personally and remind me uh, that the earth is still full of the glory of the Lord that even in the midst of darkness, in the midst of confusion, uh, in the midst of everything going on, that he's still good and that he's still sovereign, that he's still on the throne. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I think church-wide, um, it actually gave us an opportunity to be really innovative. It gave us an opportunity to go, um, what is God doing in this season? I, I talked to a lot of different pastors and leaders, and what I keep hearing consistently is, Man, we're just trying to build back to get back to where we were, you know, post-COVID. And I'm going like, like, not, I don't want to get back to what we were. I want to ask the question and start pursuing like, God, what's the new thing you're asking us to do? What could be the church that could be? And um, so I'm excited about that. And uh, I'm glad now we've kind of moved past lockdown and, and uh, God is moving in our midst and, and all the rest. But yeah, it's, 
been a, a tough season and at the same point a good season to quote charles dickens it was the best of times it was the worst of times <laughs> yeah you're, you're waxing lyrical now yeah um it was yeah. indeed and just to pick up on a couple of things you mentioned we we here at the well did um, a thing called the goodness of God project in the middle of the lockdown. We, we wanted people to know, as you've just said, God's still good. Um, he, he always has been and always will be. Um, he is um, so, so good. And, and, and you say, Pastor Harrison, he's the God of the new thing. I, I've been meditating on that recently. Uh, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing, and um, we need to be sensitive to the voice of, of the Spirit um, uh, to, to know what that new thing, thing is. I, I love what you're saying, uh, Pastor Harrison. T tell us a little bit about your journey in God. H how did you come to know Jesus? Um, what has happened in life since you came to know Jesus? Can you just give us a—it's a, hard to do in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I've set you a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, and I realize most everyone that, that's here tonight uh, maybe doesn't know me super well, but um, to your question, uh, honestly, I've loved Jesus for as long as I can remember. Um, my parents, as you mentioned earlier, are, are pastors, and so I grew up in a home uh, that celebrated Jesus and made much of Jesus, and for as long as I can remember, uh, I've been in love with Jesus and um, done my very best to follow him, and uh, it has taken me... Um, you know, down some, some different roads. It, it, I feel like following Jesus is never necessarily a straight line. I think God sometimes leads in, in zigzag um, to kind of get us to where we need to be. It's part of obedience and, and learning to, to understand and discern his voice. Um, but yeah, he's, he's brought me into a great place where I'm married. been married for 17 years. Uh, I got three kids, uh, three boys. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. My oldest is 13. His name is Asher. Uh, my middle son, he's 11 years old. His name is Sawyer Cash. And uh, I wanted to just name him Cash because that's a great name and I love Johnny Cash. Sure. Um, but we call my oldest, we call my oldest Ash. And my wife goes, you can't have Ash and Cash. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah. okay, fair point. So um, we call him Sawyer Cash. And sure. what we accidentally did was reincarnate the love child of Johnny Cash and Tom Sawyer. And that's literally <laughs> who this little boy is. It's unbelievable. He was born uh, 150 years too late. And uh, he goes to school. Like, he wants to go barefoot. He, he wears camouflage to school, which is really, like, odd in California. But he just loves being outdoors. And he's a free spirit. Um, and, and so those are my oldest two. And then my youngest is six. Uh, his name is Clay. And uh, God's just been really good to me and my family. And uh, it's the greatest, you know, uh, challenge and yet responsibility of my life is to raise these boys in the way they should go. But that's that's a picture of my life as well. I lead this church. Uh, I've been in ministry, gosh, 20 years. And uh, I know I don't look like it, but uh, 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 there's a little bit of white in my beard you might not be able to pick up. But anyway, uh, love Jesus and grateful to, to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. Lovely. Praise God. At the end of, of this service, we will lift an offering to buy Sawyer Cash a pair of shoes, guys. Um, um, so I love what you say, Pastor Harrison. You love Jesus. You, you, your story similar to my own. I, I can't remember a time where I wasn't aware of him. I was just raised in an atmosphere of Jesus, and that, that's such a blessing. I, I, I want to ask you, Pastor Harrison, in light of what you said, you've mentioned how God's blessed you in family life, and we know you're the senior pastor there. Um, have you any advice? You're speaking to a crowd of teens and 20s here. Have you any advice for, for people in any of those areas, family life, career, Christian service? Yeah, um, 
it takes courage to follow Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but that would be my advice to you is don't be afraid uh, to be bold and courageous to follow Jesus. Um, uh, it comes with the territory uh, following Jesus that you'll be persecuted, that things will stack up against you. But but at the end of the day, it's, it's worth it. And I think especially in the world we're living in today, it takes courage. And throughout the scripture, we are admonished. Um, some scholars think like 365 times. So once for every day of the year to not be afraid and uh, yeah. following Jesus, it, it takes courage to, to obey and to take that step. Yeah. And then I'd also say this, that um, obedience really matters. And sometimes our definition of success is, well, I need to have this many followers and I need to have influence and I need to have momentum in business and I need to grow this and grow that. But the truth is, God's definition of success is different than our own. And it took me a long time to figure this out. So if you can figure it out as a teenager or your early 20s, it, it, it's so important. God's definition of success is obedience, wow. is to be faithful, which is a long obedience in the same direction. It's just to obey yeah. what he's put in front of you, to do the last thing he told you to do until he tells you to do something else. And whether you ever get thousands and thousands of followers or influence or money or fame like at the end of the day, eternity is going to be the great equalizer. You're going to have to stand before him, and he's going to ask you, were you obedient to what I asked you to do? Um, and so for me, I've learned that that's success. So I, I've set aside everything else that I thought was important. I've gone, I just want to obey Jesus. Yeah, really good. Pastor Harrison, I, I was going to go on to ask if there's any other key lessons, um, but maybe that just supersedes them all. Um, trust and obey. It's like a kid's song I remember when I was young. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And sometimes the most simple things are the most profound. Um, you want to hear a big, profound, you know, philosophical truth, but actually sometimes God's just in the simple things, in the, in the simple steps. But um, Pastor Harrison, who have been the main influences or inspirations in your life? Uh, uh, for me, uh, first and foremost, I guess would be my dad, um, who's not just my father, but he's my, my spiritual father as well. Uh, he's, he's my pastor, is still my pastor. Um, and uh, more than from the pulpit, just watching his life day in and day out and him being a man of honor and a man of integrity um, has taught me everything and what it means to be a father to my kids, what it is to be a leader um, to my staff um, or, or a boss to my staff. Um, so I'd say he's definitely been my biggest influence. Uh, well, I love to read. There's quite a few authors um, that have influenced me as well um, in their relationship with Jesus and things of that nature. But um, I think far and away, my, my, my dad and as well my mom have been the greatest influences in my life. Yeah, that's, there's, there's a, real, a real beauty in that. I, I can connect with that, Pastor Harrison, of having been raised by, by godly parents. It's, it's such a blessing. Um, let me move from the, the spiritual to the carnal, if, if there is such a, a distinction. Um, what do you like to do to rest and relax? Yeah, I, I love to, to play golf, um, anything outdoors, uh, but golf, I love to fly fish. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things to do. You know, I, I like to imagine myself as Brad Pitt and a river runs through it, um, but uh, anyway. yeah. 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 You're, you're showing your age. These guys will not know that movie. <laughs> that's, that's one from the 90s, I think, isn't it? The river runs through it, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good movie, guys. One, one to watch. Anybody seen that? A river runs through it? Not one. Not one, Harrison. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. um, let, me, let, let, me, let me give um, 
just one more question, Pastor Harrison, and then I'm going to sort of let you fill your liberty and, and just share what's on your heart. Um, so even though you've just shown your age, I still think you're a young guy. Um, what aspirations do you still have? Oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm, a simple, I'm a simple guy. Uh, I mean, truthfully, I, I just want to love my family well, and um, I, want to, I want to steward well what God has given me as far as influence and, and leading the church and that. But I think if you were to kind of go borderline carnal, something I'd like to do, um, maybe when I turn 50, which is not for a long time, but when I turn 50, um, I'd love to try out for the senior golf tour. That'd be cool. That'd be real cool. <laughs> that, that would be quite something. Yeah. Quite an aspiration. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll speak the name of Jesus over that one. It might take up <laughs> sort of power, Harrison, but yeah, it could happen. Um, it yeah. could happen. Well, absolutely. Like for, for Liverpool or, or Chelsea, like that just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, golf, yeah. we'll, we'll put it there. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I actually, I played... I will say I played, you know, I, I had a set of golf clubs and I did swing the clubs at the right moments, but um, we did a round up at the, the Hilton Temple, Patrick, Pastor Harrison and I and a couple of others um, a few years ago, and, and his father, uh, Pastor Bayless, it was a good, a, a good day. I saw their skills in operation. Really, I should have just done caddy. Um, so I've learned, I've, learned, I've learned that one the hard way. Um, I'll tell you what, folks, at this stage, um, because we had him in the hot seat there at my mercy, and, he, and we really appreciate it. Can you show Pastor Harrison your appreciation for uh, fielding all those questions? And just now, Pastor Harrison, um, would you share what's, what would be on your heart for the young people at the well, please? Yeah, um, if it's all right, I'd like to take a, a few minutes and share yeah. from the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, this would be more of a almost devotional thought in the sense that this is something that God has been speaking to me about, um, something he's put in my heart, something that for the last few weeks I've been considering and, and mulling over. And if it's all right with you, I'd like to share it. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful, guys, um, and honored, frankly, uh, to be able to be here with you. Technology is amazing. Like, imagine the Apostle Paul, if he would have had Zoom or Skype, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. back in the first century, uh, the world would be very different. So I'm really Again, pleased and honored to be able to do this tonight. But um, I want to begin by quoting a verse that you'll be really familiar with um, out of Romans chapter 12, speaking of the Apostle Paul. He, he's writing this to the church at Rome. I want to read this verse that you'll be familiar with, and, and then I want to give you a couple of thoughts around it. But in, in Romans 12 and 2, Paul says, Look, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. Um, and we know through reading the rest of Romans and as you read into the letters he wrote to the church at Corinth that, that we renew our mind through through reading God's word, through considering, mulling over God's word, meditating upon it, and by putting it into practice in our lives. But I want you to see these two patterns, if you will, that, that Paul puts up in front of us, two options. Option one, he says you can be conformed to the world. Or option two, pattern two, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and that word conformed, in the original language, it literally means to be squeezed into a mold. And, and Paul uses really strong language, and he says, look, don't be conformed. Don't, don't be squeezed into the mold or the pattern of the world and its way of living and its way of thinking. He says, but on the other hand, option two, he says, be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. And that word transform in the original language, it, it literally means uh, to change your essence. It, it means to be something different, to be something completely new. And, and like I mentioned a moment ago, that transformation happens uh, through the power of the Word of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But the natural uh, you know, question comes, okay, well, what am I being transformed into? And if you keep reading, you, you'll find out that, that Paul says when you give attention to God's word and when you renew your mind, you're actually transformed into the image and into the likeness of, of Jesus, where, where suddenly uh, our thoughts and our actions and our words start coming into alignment with God's pattern and God's design for life. And, and, and Paul implores us in really strong language. He says, look, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed yeah. into the likeness of Christ. And for the rest of this chapter, uh, chapter 12 of Romans, Paul will kind of methodically work through uh, different characteristics of what a transformed life looks like, sort of some defining marks of Christianity, if you will. And I wish we had time to go through all of them. It's a, it's a pretty exhaustive list, but that'll be another sermon for another day. Sure. I just want to give you two real quick, if that's all right. Um, and before I read those two, we're going to find them in Romans 12 and verse 9. But before we read those, let me let me just kind of paint a picture for you that, that hopefully will set a framework um, for where I want to go with, with this, this little chat that we're having. Um, I, I don't know if you guys are fans of this or not, but um, online shopping has been really fun. Like I, I've become a fan of online shopping. It seems it's the way that the world is, is moving, the way the world is going. Um, online shopping is super convenient, right? Like you can order just about anything and within a day or two, it shows up on your, your front porch. It, it's pretty amazing. Like for example, my boys this last summer, um, they wanted to, to learn how to play table tennis or, or ping pong as we call it here. And, and so they saved up their money and I went online and you can order a ping pong table online. Like that's amazing to me. And literally it showed up on my front door. Two days later, I thought I was gonna have to go to the store, get rent a truck, put it in the back of the truck. No, like it literally showed up on my front door. We put it together, and within 20 minutes, these guys were playing ping pong. So overall, online shopping, like I, I'm a big fan. But my only frustration uh, has to do with clothing. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but buying clothes online without being able to try them on, it, it's quite the experience. Um, at least in my case, 90% of the time when I order clothes online, I end up having to, to send them back. Um, one, they either don't, don't fit correctly or, or the color is different than what I saw on the computer screen. I don't know if this happened to you, but sometimes like they even send me the wrong article of clothing, right? Like I ordered a pair of trousers and they sent me a shirt and I'm like, what, what is, what is going on? <laughs> I don't like, again, I don't know if this has happened to you, but that has been my experience. And I would think like, if you were to take a picture of what they sent you and post it and put it up against like what's actually on the computer screen, like what you ordered, like they wouldn't match at all. They tend to look nothing like each other. And, and sometimes, sometimes I fear that when we pick up God's word, which gives us a really clear picture and a proper picture of what our lives should look like, right. sometimes I fear um, that when the world comes in contact with with us and people who claim to follow Jesus and claim to live according to the Bible, that they look at our lives and then they look at the picture of God's word and they go, um, hmm. you, you don't look like your picture. Like something just doesn't match up here. Yeah. Are you understanding what, what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 
And what I want to do is, is look at God's word for a minute and lean into what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say. Because if we will look at the picture of God's word and if we will submit ourselves before the Holy Spirit, I, I believe that not only is he going to show us a proper picture uh, of the defining marks of Christianity, the defining things that, that, that should you know, uh, be exemplified in our life, but I actually believe that he'll help us, he'll enable us to make those things a reality so that the picture of God's word yeah. and the picture of our lives begin to, to match up. Yeah. So, so real quick, I want to just give you two defining marks of Christianity, and they're found here in Romans 12. I read to you verse number two. I want to read to you verse number nine. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. I wish we had time to do that. Romans 12 in, in verse 9, Paul writes this. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what's good. Yeah. Really, really simple. But here's two defining marks of Christianity, two things that should define your life and my life. Here, here's the first one. Our love's supposed to be genuine. Yeah. Paul says, let love be genuine. Now, why, why is that required of us? Well, honestly, because God's love toward us has been genuine, right? And this is love. Not that we loved God, yeah. but that he loved us. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be the propitiation or, or the covering for our sins. L listen, young person, the, the genuine love of God has been expressed to us in, in the person of his son, in the person of Jesus. And it was expressed to us through his life, his death, through, through his ministry, through his burial, through his resurrection. And through Jesus, we've received mercy, we've received grace, we've received right standing with the Father. And the truth is, we didn't deserve those things. We deserved hell, we deserved death, we deserved punishment because of our sin. Yeah. But God, but yeah. God was rich in mercy. Even when we were dead in sin, he's made us alive together in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we've been saved through faith, not of works, so any man can boast. It is the gift of God, and it's through his genuine love. Yeah. That we've received redemption and we've received forgiveness. Now we have an inheritance. It's through his love we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we know that we're the children of God, that we belong to him. And the Bible says freely we've received this genuine love. Yeah. And now it's what is required of us is that we freely need to give that love away. Remember the words of Jesus? He said, and by this, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. By this, the world will know you belong to me by the love that you have for one another. Listen, the way that we as believers show and, and express love to the world around us, to those that are in our sphere of influence, it matters. Yeah. It really matters. N notice the language that Paul uses to describe this type of love. He says it's gotta be a genuine love. Or, or in the original language, it, it literally means it needs to be a sincere love, a, a love without disguise. Some translations might even say, let your love be without hypocrisy, yeah. right? Which is a, a term taken from the ancient Greek theater, meaning to wear a mask or, or, or to act. In, in other words, Paul is imploring us, look, don't be phony, don't be fake in your dealings with people, yeah. whether those people are inside the house of faith or, or they're outside the house of faith. And you don't need me to tell you, you've all experienced this. There's nothing worse uh, than a person that's nice to your face, <laughs> but then speaks maliciously when your back is turned, right? Like, I know we've all experienced people that that, that, that are nice and polite and helpful on the outside, but then you find out later on they're a little bit ugly and nasty on the inside. And, and, and hear me, young person, who you are when people's backs are turned, that's exactly who you are. That's right. That's a picture of real you. Yeah. And, and here in our text, Paul says, look, if you're a believer, 
you can't live with a double standard. You got to be genuine towards people, whether they're looking at you or not, because we're supposed to love differently than the world around us. Yeah. And, and look, I don't know if you realize this or not, but right now, love, according to the world standards, um, it can come across as really disingenuous. Yeah. Oftentimes in the world, love, love comes with strings attached. Um, it comes with an agenda. Love, according to the world standard, uh, it, it's self-centered. It, it's not focused on others. It, it's focused on me, mine, and getting what I deserve and what I can get out of a, a particular exchange. Yeah. Worldly love, it's, it, it's predicated on performance. And it's extended to someone or it's withheld from someone based on what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Right here's like a, a, a really simple and, and silly example of that. But the other night, my wife went out. Uh, with some girlfriends and I was at home to babysit the kids and uh, you're going, what do you mean babysit the kids? They're your kids. Well, it's my story and I was babysitting the kids. And uh, anyway, they, as soon as mom left, they went, dad, dad, could we play video games? And I was like, guys, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, probably not. And they're like, well, dad, look, if you let us play video games, we will love you forever. <laughs> right? Like, as if this was some sort of quid pro quo. I'm like, I gave you life. You'll love me forever. Regardless. You know what I mean? Like, but that's the way the world operates. Yeah. Right? It's a glimpse of how the world works. Like, yeah. if, if you do this, and if I get something from this exchange, well, then you can have my affection. But the moment I don't need you anymore, or the moment you speak a truth that's inconvenient or that I don't agree with or that doesn't fit the narrative, well, then I'm going to withhold that love, and I'm going to pull it back from you. And I probably could give you real life example after real life example, but you don't need me to because I know you've experienced it. I mean, we see this play out every single day, whether it's at, at work, we see it in relationships, we see it uh, in politics, we see it on social media. And this worldly kind of love, what, what it does is, number one, it breeds insecurity in people, right? Because it puts them in this works mindset that, like, I got to do something. I've always got to be moving to earn and, you know, earn your love, earn your affection. But then also this kind of love, it, it instills fear into people. Where I'm afraid now that if I mess up, or if I say something wrong, or I do something that you don't agree with, then you're going to cancel me, or you'll withhold or pull your love away from me, and this love becomes fear-based. Yeah. And that's the way the world loves, yeah. and it's disingenuous. That's right. And as believers, we've been tasked with showing the world a different way, a different kind of love. I would even say like this, as believers, we have an ability to love in a way that the world does not have, yeah. right? Yep. That word love that Paul uses there in Romans 12 and 9, it's the word agape. It's the Greek word. It's the God kind of love. Yeah. It's a special kind of love. It's, it's an unending love. It's an unpredicated love. It's a, I don't care what it costs me, reckless kind of love. It, it's a love that is able to look past faults. It's a love that's patient and kind, that, that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a kind of love that, that can't be earned and can't be taken away. It's a kind of love that, that speaks the truth in, in gentleness. It's a kind of love that, that's lavish, yeah. extravagant on other people. Yeah. This is the type of love that we've been instructed to love people with. Lovely. Now, is, is, it, is it easy to do that? <laughs> I wish. No, it's not easy because we still got the flesh, right? And this flesh is always warring within us, trying to pull us back into conformity with the world and in its patterns. Again, this is why it's so important, going back to Romans 12 and 2, why we need to renew our minds you know, by God's word. We need to be reading his word, thinking about his word, talking to people about his word on a daily basis because they're in the place of his word. We're, we're transformed. We're reminded that the agape love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's there in God's word. We're of how kind he's been to us. Yeah. 
He's forgiven us so much. If freely we've received his genuine love, now freely we get to give it away. Yeah. So that's the first hallmark Lovely. of a Christian life, that we love differently. We've got a genuine love. And here's the second defining mark, and then we'll wrap this up. According to that same verse in Romans 12, 9, is that we need to be able as believers to discern between good and evil. That we have clear definitions of what's good and what's evil. Look at what Paul says, 12 and 9. He says, let love be genuine, abhor what's evil, yeah. hold fast, cling to what's good. Yeah. As believers, we have to clearly know the difference between right and wrong. And we have to be willing to walk and act accordingly. Notice the language that Paul uses. Um, it's really strong. He says you're to abhor evil. You need to hold fast to what's good. And that, that word abhor in the original language, it literally means to be utterly horrified by something. Mm-hmm. And in that expression, he uses hold fast or cling. It, it, it means to be glued to something, cemented to something. It's almost as if Paul was kind of painting this picture of, of using super glue. I, I don't know if you've ever used super glue. You put two things together with that glue, suddenly two things become one. Or like you get some super glue on your finger and you accidentally touch it with another finger. Suddenly two fingers become one finger. <laughs> And that's the picture that Paul is using here, that our lives and, and one of the distinguishing characteristics of our life is that we operate according to we're glued to God's moral order, yeah. not the world's moral order. Yeah. Let me let me maybe say it like this. And I know somebody's going to get mad at me, but whatever. If I wanted to be popular, I shouldn't have been a preacher. Um, <laughs> but as believers, guys, we're supposed to be horrified by the things that God calls evil. Yeah. And we're supposed to be glued to. We're supposed to be inseparable with the things that God calls good. Yeah. And maybe you don't need me to tell you this, but right now the world is a little bit mixed up when it comes to its definition of good and evil. That's right. Yeah, young person, hear me. This is important. Contrary to popular opinion, good and evil do exist in this world. Yeah. There is a difference between right and and wrong. The lines are not blurry here. There is no gray area here. And I realize that society keeps changing their definitions. I realize that the society keeps moving the goalposts on what's right and what's wrong. But hear me, good and evil, right and wrong, these things, they're not subjective. Yeah. They're not, they're not up for debate. God has never changed his mind, nor has God ever changed his definition on good and on evil. Like biblically speaking, evil is evil for everyone at all times throughout history. And and conversely, uh, the other side of the coin, good is good for everyone at all times throughout history. Now, society sees these subjects uh, as subjective, right? Popular culture has even gone so far as to say evil might not even exist because what's wrong for you, like, maybe it's right for me. Because as long as it makes me happy and gives me pleasure and puts a smile on my face, you can't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong because it feels like it's right for me. And I think about my nation, I think about the United States, it's scary to me how far we've gone in that direction. And and unfortunately, the modern church globally, which is supposed to look and think and act differently than the world, the the church that's supposed to be Christ's reflection in the earth, unfortunately, somehow we've become We've become hostage to society's way of thinking when it comes to good versus evil, when it comes to morality versus immorality. And I have to ask, how did we get like this? 
Right? Like, as believers, how did we get into this space? As the church, capital C, as the ecclesia, as the called out ones, how did we get to this place? Because we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're supposed to be light in darkness. We're supposed to be salt in the earth, a preserving agent amidst a, a decaying world where we don't take cues from society, but we take our cues from God and his word. Yeah. And what he calls evil, we're supposed to call evil. And what he calls wrong, we're supposed to call wrong. And what he calls sin, guys, we're supposed to call sin. That's right. And this is not a topic that we can be wishy-washy with. Yeah. This is not something we can afford to be wishy-washy with, not in the day and the age that we're living. Listen, guys, Jesus is coming back. Yeah. He's coming back soon, and he's coming for a spotless, a holy bride. He's coming for his church. Yeah. I have to ask, like, yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Again, it takes courage yeah. to follow Jesus. Yeah. It takes courage to, to swim upstream in a downstream worm. It takes courage to live in the light and to walk in the light as he is in the light. It takes courage to set a godly example for our families and for our peers. Listen, guys, this is something that, that we have to model. Truth matters. Living and taking a stand for biblical morality. Guys, it matters because look around. Our generation has grown up thinking that things like homosexuality are okay, thinking that heterosexual premarital sex, thinking it's okay, thinking that things like transgenderism and gender fluidity, thinking they're okay, thinking that pornography, it's fine as long as it's done in moderation, thinking that, that, that abortion and that the shedding of innocent life, that it's a form of freedom in healthcare. Listen, these things, they're, they're wrong. Yeah. They're wrong. Adultery, right. it's wrong. Racism, it's wrong. Yeah. Abusing alcohol, surrendering a sober mind to a, a drink or a drug, it, it's wrong. Extortion, it's, it's wrong. Purposely taking advantage of somebody else, it's wrong. Greed and, and the love of money, it's wrong. Not, not, not taking care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, these things, that they're wrong. And the yeah. truth is that list goes on and on and on, but it can yeah. all be boiled down to one word. Sin. That's right. And, and before you get mad at me for labeling stuff sin, just remember, I'm not the one labeling it. I didn't even make the list. Like, it's not my list. It's, it's God's list. That's right. And at the end of the day, we have to come to the conclusion that he's smarter than, than we are. Yeah. If I'm honest, I wish there was a little bit more wiggle room on the list, right? Yeah. But I acknowledge that God's word is my final authority. I, I acknowledge that God's word, it's, it's truth. Yeah. And if I'm going to follow him, and if, if you're going to follow him, we have to abide by his parameters, right? He's the one that gets to determine what's sin and, and what's not sin. Yeah. And, and you might go, well, I, I just think people should be able to live and, and, and do what they want to do and live how they want to live. And, and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I, I can even get on board with that to a point. Yeah. But if you say I'm a Christian, then that last sentence, it doesn't apply to you. Because you don't get to live how you want to live anymore. I don't get to live how I want to live anymore. If, if we yeah. say I belong to Jesus— Yep. Guys, that means we're not our own. Yep. Right? The Apostle Peter would say, do you not know that you're not your own? You've been purchased. Yeah. And not with silver and gold, not with the blood of bulls or goats, but by the precious blood of Jesus. And calling Jesus Lord means, hey, look, Jesus, you're boss over everything. Yeah. Every area, every arena of my life. Whether that's my finances, my relationships, my sexuality. Jesus, you're Lord. Yeah. Young person, the call of Jesus to you and to me. It's radical and it can be offensive. Yeah. His call, according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous German theologian, the call of Jesus sounds like this. Come and die. That's right. Come and That's die. Right. 
die, die to self, die to personal desire, die, die to my personal sense of morality, die to my agenda. Yeah. And I pick up Jesus' agenda. Yeah. Young person, Christianity is not a supplement that we add on to our already pre-existing life. The word of God doesn't work like a buffet table where we take the parts that we like and then we leave the parts that we don't like. It, it doesn't work like that. Jesus is either king of all or he's not king at all. Yeah. He's not going to just settle for a portion of your life. Yeah. He's not going to settle for just control in one little area. No, it's a total surrender, but it's a beautiful surrender because what you will find is that when you surrender to Jesus, he loves you more than you love you and he knows what's best for you and for your life. Yeah. But when it comes to right and wrong, good and evil, he's the one that sets the boundaries. He, he's the one that sets the parameters, not society, not social media, not the government, not academia. No, his word is our final authority. His word sets the standard. Let, let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. And if we're going to be people of the cross, if we're going to be people of the word, we have to be horrified by sin and we have to embody and cling to what is good. Listen, this, this matters. Our, our friends they're watching us, our, our peers and those at school, they're, they're watching us, our, our coworkers, they're, they're, they're watching us. And we need to be able to say to them in all humility, hey, look, please follow me as I look to and as I follow Christ. And, and are we going to be perfect at it? Gosh, no. Are there going to be blemishes on the scorecard? Oh, absolutely there are. Are there going to be moments where we act in hypocrisy? Yeah, pro probably so. But what sets the Christian apart is that when we fall short, we hate our sin and we acknowledge that sin and we run to the Father and we confess it and we ask for forgiveness and we seek out godly accountability. And if we've hurt other people, we do our very best to, to seek forgiveness and to make amends where possible. But more than anything, we, we turn from that sin. That's what it means to repent, to turn. And we turn toward Christ. And as we turn toward Christ, inevitably we turn from our sin and we abhor what's evil yeah. and we cling to what's yeah. good. And then there's just one thing I want to add to this before I, I land this plane. Sure. And this is really important. And I want to try and combine the, the first mark and the second mark that we've talked about. But, but, but living in the truth, yeah. it doesn't give us an excuse to ever be hostile, mean-spirited, or judgmental to those that are living outside the truth of God's word. Yeah. Right? If you remember, we just got done talking about the first defining mark of Christianity is we have a genuine love of people. But unfortunately, I, I know some Christians that would rather <laughs> hold a picket sign and call down fire and brimstone than just take a few minutes and talk to somebody and hear their story and then share about the amazing love and grace of God and how it's been on display in their life. And, and I know I need to finish, but I want to read you one more verse. This is such an important verse. Um, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, maybe, maybe you'd be familiar with it, but Paul writing again, and, and he, says, he says this in verse 9. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And at that point, a lot of Christians that I know will pick up their picket sign and go, yes, amen. <laughs> Unfortunately, they've never read the next verse. Uh. Verse 11, in the first six words, Paul says this. And such yeah. were some of you. Yeah. May we never forget. And such were some of you. Yeah. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our 
God. So yes, we unapologetically call sin, sin. We also unapologetically love people. And we always endeavor to show them the kindness of Jesus. Because the truth is, it wasn't that long ago that we were in the same spot that they're in. And it wasn't judgment. And it wasn't cruelty that opened our heart to the gospel. It wasn't. No, it was kindness. It was kindness. For it's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. When we were lost, when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, God expressed his love to us. And now we've experienced that love. It's changed us. It's transformed us. It's given us new life and it's given us freedom. And now, as we remember where we are, we want other people to experience the love and the grace and the kindness of Jesus. Listen, some of you, you're just newly saved. And and the taste of of sin and that old lifestyle is still in your mouth. And you're like, I don't want anybody to walk the path of pain that I walk. I I don't want anyone to experience those things. And, And I want to express the kindness of God and show them what Jesus has done in my life. That's what a believer does. So even if we don't agree with somebody, we we keep loving with them. Even if we don't agree with their lifestyle decision, we keep praying for them and we don't give up on them and we keep showing them grace. We stay consistent in their life and we model for them, we model for the world, for anybody that wants to look what it means to live in love and what it means to to live with conviction to God's word. Guys, these things, they're, they're really important today in the age that we're living in. We need to be different. And like I said, this is something God's been speaking to me about. This is something that I regularly come back to, but we need to live with a genuine love. Yeah. And we need to live with the conviction of God's word, being able to rightly discern between good and evil yeah. and take a stand for biblical morality, all while loving a world around us so that they can experience the love and the grace of Jesus. That's what this thing is about. Yeah. So that's my word of, of encouragement to you. I hope it challenges you. I hope it stirs you a little bit. So that we can be the people God's called us to be and do the things that He's called us to do. So, Pastor Stephen, that, that's what I wanted to share. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Show Pastor Harrison your appreciation. So good, so good. Encouragement, exhortation, challenge. That, that, that's the power of the word, guys. That's the power of the word. That's what it does. I believe God has, has, has spoken here. I, I believe it with all my heart. Uh, I believe that there's a word lodging in, in hearts right now. There's a word resonating with people right now. Um, what, what I'm going to ask before we, we do worship, um, uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Harrison, would, would he pray? Would, would he? I'm just going to ask him to pray his heart. Pray his heart over the well. Uh, pray his heart even in this moment. Uh, just, to, just to bring this, this little time to a close, and, and, and we'll, we'll go from this in, into worship. Uh, Pastor Harrison, can, can you pray, please? Yeah. Father, we, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you that you've rescued us. Thank you that you've poured your love into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And may we never forget what you've brought us out of. God, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to live with the humility. You would enable us to live with a, a courage yes. so that we can love people the way that you've loved us so that we can stand uh, for biblical morality and, and be the light of the world in the midst of darkness, that we would stand out and, and point people to you. God, we need your help. We cannot yes. do this 
without you. And we know that you've called us and you've placed us here for such a time as this. I know the world around us is crazy right now, but oh God, you don't make mistakes and you chose us to live in this season and in this age. So would you equip us and would you enable us to be your people? By your Holy Spirit, would you anoint us so that as we go into our schools, as we go into our homes, as we go into the workplace, we would shine bright. We would be a light for Jesus in the earth. Yes. God, we need you. We love you. Yeah. We're grateful to be called your own. Yes. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the power of your word. Holy yes. Spirit, we ask that you would seal the things spoken over us. Yes. Seal them so the devil can't steal them. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen.